This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. When Highland was founded, its initial purpose was to help optimize workflows and processes by eliminating filing cabinets. More than 25 years later, as businesses have gone through digital transformations, the filing cabinet mission no longer applies. So Highland did what any good business does. It adapted by following the data. The trick is you have to go where the data is telling you to go. And, and if you've run certain types of tactics and certain verticals and they haven't worked very well, you have to be able to then take those learnings and help kind of set expectations. That's the voice of Highland CMO, Drew Chapin. And on this episode of Marketing Trends, he dives deep into the power of data and why marketers need to let it fuel their decision-making. Plus, Drew discusses the advantage of virtual conferences and why one particular partnership is leveling up Highland's game. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Drew. How are you? I'm great, Ian. Well, we're excited to have you. Uh, we're going to be talking about everything that is uh, that has been going on from your time in the Army all the way through to being CMO here. So let's get into it. How did you get started in marketing? I transitioned to marketing from my, my military career. So I went to undergrad uh, Army ROTC at, at Penn State. And then um, I had, when transitioning out of the military, I did a, a pit stop and got my MBA at Vanderbilt while I was there. I did an internship at Compaq, a computer corporation, which is now Hewlett Packard, in marketing and, and ended up getting hired there full time and really liked marketing, the blend of strategy and, uh, and, and kind of general business management and creativity was really attractive to me and, and I was hooked. And then since then, I've you know had a pretty long um, you know B two B tech focused marketing career. Went from HP to uh, eventually SAP North America, um, and I was there for about seven years, and until I joined Highland about eight years ago as their CMO. Yeah, and so tell me, uh, tell me, you know, uh, eight plus years ago, uh, you know, you joined Highland. Now, flash forward to today, what's it mean to be CMO of Highland? Well, it's funny; it changes, right? As as you know, when Highland was smaller, and I mean, it was still a pretty decent size when I joined, about $240 million of revenue. But it's smaller companies that technical expertise in, in the functional areas of marketing is more important because the teams are smaller and, and people have to wear more hats. And as, as Highland has grown, um, my job has, has kind of transformed from, you know, the, the technical areas of marketing to leadership. And, you know, I spend most of my time today Helping uh, teams, you know, removing obstacles so teams can can be successful, empowering teams, aligning teams to overall company business objectives, and I don't spend as much time on the day to day marketing uh, technical areas anymore. And so, for listeners who don't know, uh, tell us a little bit about Highland. At a high level, Highland helps organizations optimize workflows and business processes, you know, especially those that include content and unstructured data. So we're, we're in a space called the content services uh, application space. 
And our legacy was getting rid of paper. So 25, more than 25 years ago, we would measure the value of a deal based on the number of filing cabinets that we were going to get rid of uh, at a particular company site. Uh, so it was scanning those documents, indexing them, and then using the information we, we pull from those documents and business processes and workflows. Kind of the core um, value prop is still similar, except we're not dealing with paper much anymore. It's more you know, unstructured data and digital documents. And, and an example of some, some of the processes we automate are things like accounts payable automation, insurance claims, management, um, providing a single view of patient records for health providers. So there's, you know, every, every ology at a hospital has their own application that they're collecting patient information on. Well, some, somehow that has to get pulled together. So the health provider can, can provide better care. So Highland has solutions in, in all those areas. And so what does, what does your team look like? Um, I, is it, is it pretty, pretty traditional technology marketing team with, you know, all that stuff or any differences? No, no real differences. You know, every, every capability you'd expect from a modern B2B marketing organization from the corporate functions like corporate communications and brand and creative and product marketing, AR, PR, those types of areas, demand generation, um, operations and planning, analytics. We have a pretty growing operations team to manage our tech stack. You know, we are investing more and more in, in applications to help us with things like SEO and account-based marketing. And, uh, you know, of course, our marketing automation platform. You know, there's our web CMS. We've just become, we're becoming more and more uh, technically oriented as marketing professionals. And so there's, there's investments there as well. And then, you know, I have, you know, your, your kind of older school event planners and teleprospectors and direct marketing resources as well. And, you know, those are um, still important, but, you know, the growing areas are, are really in the digital and tech areas. And so, you know, as you've, um, you know, over the past eight years, as you've kind of taken on, you know, new responsibilities and, and the company has changed, were there, were there certain things that like you kind of took from some of those previous roles uh, and kind of like have, have evolved to now your, the, the new state of being uh, the CMO at Island? Well, I mean, you're talking about past experiences that I've drawn from. Yeah. Past experiences you, you've drawn from, but also, you know, having been at a company for years, you know, a lot of times, especially in tech, you see folks, you know, jumping from kind of role to role to role. You've been there a while. I'd imagine that like, you know, some of those previous experiences, the technologies and the channels and things like that, that you're using have obviously changed a bunch. So just trying to see, you know, what were some of those threads that you pulled from previous and earlier in your career? Oh yeah. So, well, I, I was fortunate, you know, to, to, to work at SAP, which is a, really modern and sophisticated marketing organization, extremely talented people, you know, very mature processes and approaches. And so I was kind of immediately able to apply the learning, the learning from my experience there at Highland, you know, Highland was an emerging mid-sized software company. When I got here, you know, we'll be, we'll surpass a billion in revenue um, next year. So we've grown, you know, almost 5x from, from when, I, when I started. And so being able to kind of bring some of those more mature processes and approaches to branding, to demand generation, to lead qualification and account-based marketing to a smaller emerging company, you know, I found um, that I was able to contribute a lot. 
um, you know, early on. And, and that's just evolved. And challenge for me now is not to get kind of stale. I mean, one of the benefits of moving from company to company is a lot of marketing professionals do every several years is you get new, more diverse experiences. So I have to seek those out in other ways through professional development organizations and talking to my peers. In fact, there's like a, uh, there's an SAP CMO veterans kind of a Zoom call that we've, that one of our, my colleagues has started. Oh, nice. We're all like CMOs at different tech firms now and we're jumping on Zooms every other month or so to share, you know, not only what we're learning just, just in our ongoing jobs, but also um, what we're doing now given COVID-19 and some of the changing dynamics in marketing. Yeah. What's the talk of the town right now? What are, what are people worried about? Well, it's, you know, really kind of near term is trying to plan out your budgets for next year. So what, what's going to happen to events? You know, events has been a, has been a lever that um, has been part of the marketing mix for years and years and years. And even though digital has been on the rise recently and become a bigger chunk of marketing, there's still that, that kind of fundamental face-to-face selling and marketing that was a core part of our marketing mix. Well, that's changing. So, so it's figuring out if we're going to reduce our, our, our planned budgets for events and, and trade shows and conferences, how much do we reduce it and what happens if it comes back? So your contingency planning for these different scenarios. And then it's for the events themselves, you know, I, and we just finished our, our big customer conference last week virtually, and, and we learned a ton through that process. And with all the data we were able to collect, uh, and I was looking at some of it this morning, you know, I, it makes me wonder, should we do that m- more often? And, and should we transition some of these in-person events to digital experiences? Um, because there's just so much more you can do. You know, we're able to see what content is resonating with our audience and how long are they viewing certain sessions. And, and then that virtual experience kind of lives on for 60 to 90 days after the conference where our, our customers can come back and consume additional content. So treasure trove of data is, is really interesting uh, to us uh, and going forward, we'll certainly be leveraging that. Yeah. What are, what are some of the other ways that, uh, that you're leveraging data and your marketing? Obviously every, every marketer is trying to, you know, get as close to their data strategy as possible right now. You know, we, we use data every day at Highland in marketing for everything from measuring the performance of, of campaigns and, and tactics in those campaigns to pipeline analytics and then creating a 360 degree view of our, of our customer. You know, we're just learning more and more as we collect information from, from these different systems that our customers engage us on, you know, we're able to get more personalized uh, and we're able to test and, and, and fail faster, right? If things aren't working because we're able to see is that increasing traffic? Is that increasing conversions, or is it is it not working? So you know we're we're definitely investing more. You know I, I've hired some data scientists to come on to help us make sense of the data and help us build you know a more modern environment for all of our marketing data. And then it's partnering with all the other departments at at Highland that collect data on customers. And you know how do we stitch that all together so we're 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 looking at one complete view as opposed to multiple kind of like partial views that live in these different systems. So, you know, there's this, this kind of, uh, you know, rise of, you know, the data driven marketer, and then you have kind of like the next evolution of that, which is like the, the AI driven marketer. Uh, are you looking at, at AI these days? We are, we are for sure. You know, we're AI and predictive 
is something we recently invested in, not only to help us automate some of the processes that were that were formerly kind of manual. So I mentioned teleprospecting earlier. Well, we you know we use um, chatbots now to help us qualify the visitors to our website, or at least direct them to the content that they they need. And it's all done through kind of pre-built workflows that you know are responding to you know whatever is that they want to look for on on the website you know so that's one area that we're investing in so it's it's that and then it's using that data that we collect to create more personalized experiences so and not only on our own websites but we use it for retargeting and 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 trying to and we use it you know in social media so there's there's just lots of areas where you know we're definitely investing in in some of those more modern uh, technologies I love the uh, the analogy of like you know originally the way that you looked at like success was how many file cabinets could we remove? Um, it's a great, uh, it's great marketing, like visual, you know, with, with a product like yours, obviously you had, you're now in a ton of different industries. How do you kind of deal with like marketing the complexity of, of all the different use cases, all the features and functions, uh, all the industries and things like that? Yeah. I mean, it's, complicated and expensive. And so we have to, um, it's kind of a combination of the platform and promoting the benefits of the platform to a CIO or to an IT audience, as well as getting specific into vertical applications. And, and that's always been a real challenge for us is, you know, one of our, one of our special sauces, so to speak, has been our deep knowledge of various industries. So our ability to partner with our customers and help design solutions that are very specific to business processes in their, in their industries um, has been a differentiator for us and allowed us to, you know, to, to win a lot of business. Um, from a marketing standpoint, though, those are expensive strategies to execute. You, know, you, have to, you have to prioritize those value scenarios based on potential revenue. And you can only invest in like the top you know, five or six and be successful. If you try to spread your time and your, your money around too many areas, you really end up failing in all of them. So one of the biggest challenges for, for us and our CEO is an, is an optimist. So when he hears a good idea, he is all full speed ahead. And, and that becomes challenging sometimes where you have to kind of reel, somebody on the executive team will have to kind of reel him back in a little bit you know, because he's super passionate about helping customers, and 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 he's not alone. There's a lot of optimists on the executive team, so you you need somebody with some real kind of data to um to provide a, you know a perspective on on those those conversations to make sure that you're investing in the highest priority and highest potential areas. Yeah, and I'm curious, like, how does that how does that fit in with sales? Because you know, you always uh, you always fear the the conversation with the with the sales manager who's like, you know. You keep investing in whatever healthcare and financial services, but what about me? You know, I'm I'm here, uh, you know, doing uh, doing work in this other industry. And you never, we never get a white paper. We never get a, you know, whatever. Right? Yeah. The the, the you can't put a jelly bean in every jar <laughs> approach. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. You know, and 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 that's where I think data comes in in in, in reporting. You know, what I found too, which is really interesting in those conversations, is. Everybody at the company, or especially salespeople, and this isn't a knock on salespeople, they're just super passionate. They're experts in marketing, or they're, they, they claim to be experts. And they'll have really interesting ideas, and they'll want to pursue those. 
the, the trick is you, you have to go where the data is telling you to go. And, and if, you know, you've run certain types of tactics in certain verticals and they haven't worked very well, you have to be able to then take those learnings and, and, and help kind of set expectations in some of the other business areas when you're getting requests for certain tactic types. Or, and that was a big challenge five, six years ago as digital started coming on strong and an in-person event tactics started being less and less uh, effective. Um, you know, salespeople like to be out in front of their customers and prospects. And, um, and they were, when I arrived at Highland, we were over-invested significantly in events and way under-invested in digital channels. And so we had to, to change the, the tide there. And one of the ways I did that is I um, you know, partnered with the head of sales and I, I brought him out to uh, the Serious Decisions conference. Uh, this was probably five, six years ago. And when I, I made him sit through sessions where he was listening to best practices and case studies of companies that were leveraging these digital channels to wild success. And he drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, and, and has become a huge advocate for us. And so that just helped in those conversations to have the executive level support, you know, to take the time to educate your business partners uh, and your leaders, uh, you know, so you can, you can move the company forward. That's a great, uh, that's a great story. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know the success rate of uh, bringing your business partner to an event with you, but it, it's always something that we, we talk about with like, when you're a marketer, getting people to read, like in a buying committee to like read the same book or like watch the same webinar or like do the same. If you can get people on the same page, uh, quite literally sometimes with a book or an event or whatever, like that's, that's the value. I mean, it's one of the reasons why, Dreamforce has been such a successful business driver for, you know, for a decade is because if your whole executive team goes, they have some like shared experience that is like an understanding of, you know, where the future is going. That's a great place to be. But it's a it's a it's a good idea to do it on your own team as well, not just for your customers. Yeah. And I've done the Dreamforce trip with with our head of sales. Um, and so, you know, we, I reciprocated the, you know, the serious decisions, uh, so to speak, the serious decisions uh, visit with it was a visit to Dreamforce, which is a spectacle. I'm not sure how else to describe Dreamforce. It's pretty crazy. Hundreds of thousands of people in San Fran- descend on San Francisco to talk about sales and marketing best practices for a week. It's, 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 pretty, it's pretty impressive. Well, so I, I'm curious. Um, You've done a lot of work around customer success and the importance of customer success. You know, Salesforce and others have have championed uh, make it evident in things like Dreamforce. But it's really kind of like the new normal for for tech companies to have so such an obvious focus on customer success, marketing through the sale. You know, kind of the idea of uh, uh, of marketing through the renewal, sort of a thing. Uh, I'm curious, like, how do you think about customer experience and marketing, you know, through the journey, not just, not just to acquisition. Yeah. It's just gotten to be so it's table stakes now. I mean, it's been a part of Highland's core values since day one. Um, Employees are our family and customers are our partners, are our first two core values. And at Highland, you see that reinforced every day. Um, For example, we host an all company meeting um, every Monday by our, actually, I should say our CEO hosts an all company meeting for 30 minutes on Mondays at 10 30. And during that meeting, um, we do 
you know, two things to recognize customers. First, we recognize every new customer we sold the week before, no matter how large. Like this morning, I think there was a, there was a, um, it went at an eight or $9 million deal. And then there was like a $2,000 deal. And they were, we recognized each customer by name. And then every week we spotlight a customer success story. And it's usually a deployment or an innovation. And we celebrate that customer's success. So um, that's been going on at Highland since before I started eight years ago. You know, we also recently decided to create, and this might be what you're, you're kind of getting at, the more the complete view. We, we just created a new C-level role at Highland a chief customer success officer. And her job is to help kind of stitch together all these different customer success initiatives that are happening all over the company and align them better so we can serve our customers better. So marketing is going to play a huge role in that. You know, we, we have um, you know, a lot of engagement points with, with customers from acquiring new customers to getting them kind of up and running and successful to upselling them. Um, and then loyalty, of course. And so you know, when I'm thinking about our marketing strategy, you kind of think about strategies in, in all those areas. There's the strategy to acquire a new customer. There's the strategy to get them up and running and successful. So there's like welcome kits and there's, you know, engage, engagement in your customer communities, you know, and then there's expansion of solutions and software that you've sold into that, that customer to help them be more successful. And then ultimately there's the loyalty piece. And so I think about all four of those dimensions in what our marketing strategies are. And when I'm honestly assessing Highland's kind of breadth of offering across those four different strategies, some areas are really strong and especially on the front end on the acquiring new customers. And we're still, you know, growing and emerging and, and, and getting better on the loyalty and, and the, you know, the upsell cross-sell parts of the equation. And I think a lot of companies and a lot of marketing departments are, are kind of dealing with that now. Because uh, traditionally, it was marketing's job to get new, net new prospects in the door, and customer renewal piece that you mentioned, uh, you know, it has become more and more important. Yeah. So, how does that kind of fit into your campaigns? And maybe you could we could take a step back and 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 just say like, what are some of the your favorite campaigns that you've had uh, you've had over the years? Well, I think that um, I think what I'd say about campaigns is that I think you have to. Sometimes simpler is better, right? And I, we talked a little bit earlier about the bright idea, the shiny object. And, um, you know, I think the shiny object's okay if that's where the, the data is telling you to go. But to, to me, sometimes the most successful campaigns are the ones that are, are the ones that are the, the simplest. And, you know, an example I've, I've always kind of gone back to is even at SAP, when we would look at vertical focus campaigns versus horizontal campaigns that we would run. And then you would hear kind of the, the bottoms up demand for those really specific niche type campaigns for the vertical that that particular individual is responsible for, or the customer audience of that person's responsible for. And then when I would look at the data, when I would look at what are buyers in this vertical engaging with and what's helping us convert leads to opportunities and bookings, it wasn't always these vertically aligned campaigns. In fact, sometimes it was more on the kind of the product and horizontal side of the house. And, and I think as marketers, we have to, we have to look at that data comprehensively and it, and it's a mix. It's not an, it's not an either, or it's both. And, and finding that mix of specificity and then horizontal type of, of campaign specificity in, in, in like a vertical or a particular audience area, I think is, is key 
um, to optimizing your spend and your marketing tactics. Can you talk a little bit about the PGA uh, partnership? Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. You know, in my in my non work life, I'm a golf nut, so this <laughs> it's it's not why we chose the PGA tour. Um, we actually did some research with our with our agency to identify identify sports that CIOs, CFOs, and CEOs um, engage with, both through viewing and and participation. And for us, golf, tennis, Major League Baseball, these were these were sports that kind of popped for us. And we looked at lifestyle things as well. And you know, we, we chose PGA, I think, because it just it was the the one that fit the best, and it has global reach. So um, so Xander Shoffley is a is a brand ambassador for Highland. He's a he's a top ten player. We really kind of lucked into that one. He's he's just consistently performed really well. And so it's it's primarily a brand awareness investment, but also it's part of a, we're trying to tell a story, you know, with Xander. And so the campaign that we've been running with, with him is, is called the X factor campaign. So what are, what are the X factors that, um, you know, that that Xander focuses on to improve his golf game? And we kind of use that story to talk about, well, you know, high on can be an X factor for your business and the way that we help automate business processes, workflows, and, and help customers serve their customers better. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So as you're, as you're kind of looking to make, you know, an investment like that, um, and you, I love the X factor. It's great. You know, how do you think about like putting that into other things that you're doing, other campaigns that you're working on? Like, how does this thing like, you know, take on a, uh, an ever present kind of evolving, thing that you can like, you know, measure and track. I know it's a brand play, but I'm just curious how you, how you think about that. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, um, we are thinking about that. You know, we started by just getting, dipping our toe in the water and getting this campaign out the door and focusing on awareness for the X factor campaign. But now we're looking at, okay, how does this extend down to our demand motions? You know, how does, can we use this story and this, um, you know, to help talk about, X factors for higher ed or healthcare providers or banks or insurance companies or government agencies, all these potential customers that we sell to. So it's a theme that kind of resonates. And I, when I talk to my team, I, I kind of point at, at campaigns. And you know, one that I have a lot of familiarity with is the best run businesses run, run SAP. I mean, that, that campaign is so simple in, in the way that you know, if you partner with SAP, then uh, you'll be doing what best run businesses do. And we took that campaign, you know, there was the brand investment that we were making on television advertising and airports. And then there was at a demand level, you know, we had the best run event series. We had best run webinars where we would talk about, you know, the best run aspects of, you know, whatever it was, X, Y, Z. And we were able to extend that brand campaign down to a tactical level. Uh, And so, you know, we, we look at our X Factor campaign in a similar way. We think, in 2021, you'll start to see it, you know, cascaded down to, you know, a more tactical level, as well as the brand investment we're making. And so when you when you sponsor a golfer, what's that? What is that like? What is it? Is it something that you you set up? I'd imagine each one is pretty bespoke. Uh, Like it's not not like a uh, an event sponsorship or something like that, that there's, you know, you're working individually, potentially with an agent, or you're working with PGA, like, how does all that work? 
Yeah, we work with his agent. So our our agency, Jack Morton, they're out of Detroit. They're a event experience agency. They've got a lot of experience with sports sponsorships. So um, you know, they reached out to his agency, Octagon, and uh, and there was sponsorship opportunity available. And then it just comes to like you know, you obviously want to invest in brand ambassadors that are gonna gonna be good. Uh, you're, you're gonna get airtime in you know on tournaments, so you want successful athletes, but also for us, it was really important that, you know, Xander or whoever we chose would have shared values. So he's a fierce competitor, but he's also a really nice and genuine young man. So, you know, we, we thought that was a good, a good partnership for us and, you know, and, and we've had some success there. So we're looking at potentially expanding and maybe bringing another ambassador on in the next 12 months and, you know, expanding our investment in golf because we found a lot of, uh, you know, it's been driving, you know, the campaign we've been running has been driving a lot of traffic to our website. And it's a lot of net new traffic, you know, people that had never been to our website before. So, you know, it's been successful. And is that primarily from like assets that, that are out there from like, like PGA assets and his website and things like that, and, or like social media, or, or is it assets that like you're co-creating with that? Um, seems like there's just like, you know, a, a million opportunities that you could do there. All of the above. So we've done Facebook Live events with him and his his dad. So his dad is a swing coach, and uh, and so we we did kind of some, some we did a uh, and a more exclusive event with, with them. We we did um, a Facebook Live event. We've done our own content creation. You know, just digital advertising, display ads. We've got, we've got some videos that we did. We uh, spent a day in San Diego last year. You know, boohoo. Had to go to San Diego for a couple of days in the fall when it was getting cold in Cleveland. Um, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah, no. I'll, I'll go to San Diego anytime. It's beautiful out there. But yeah, there's that. And then we've also done some blogging, and um, he's done some blogging for us. And so we've leveraged his his also leveraged his social media channels to push out that content. You know, we've paid for some advertising on on PGATour.com and in in Forbes and Fortune and some other media uh, outlets as well. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a content strategy that goes into that, and then also obviously the activation plan, you know, across the multiple digital channels where people are consuming content. I, the reason I ask so many questions, I think it's such a cool partnership, and I think a lot of times, you know, you see a lot of times people spend money on sports to get the box seats. You know what I mean? Like that, a, a lot of it is an event-based kind of strategy with with sports and with golf you know, it's almost more of a influencer kind of a play than anything else. It's, it's a very different sort of a thing. Uh, and I think it goes, it speaks to more of like, what does this like the future of influencer marketing and, you know, finding po- folks that al- align with your brand values, like you said, and, and are popular and all that, you know, like many, many episodes ago, I think it was like a hundred episodes ago or so we had, um, a former marketing leader at at Kaiser, who was the one who signed Steph Curry before Steph Curry was mm-hmm. was was what we know today, and it was like the best marketing investment that they ever made. You know, so it's like one of the probably one of the best marketing investments of all time. Um, you know, getting getting uh, you know young Steph Curry before he wins multiple championships and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I think that what's so cool about these type of partnerships is like there's room that it can be like exponentially great. And like, that's what's so exciting of like, when you have a brand play like that, I think a lot of people spend money on brand plays and they just kind of like do something that is like a fixed brand play, right? Like a website takeover Uh or something like that, where it's like, 
yeah, it, it could be super successful, but what is like the long-term effects of that? And when you invest in content or, or partnerships or influencers or things like that, like you can reap 10x, 100x uh, results, especially if it's integrated into all the other stuff that you're doing. Well, you're so right. And you mentioned influencer, you know, influencer marketing, that's emerging in B2B. You know, that's been successfully uh, executed in on the consumer side for, for a while. You know, you have brand ambassadors for, you know, you name it, any, any consumer brand usually has, you know, a, a celebrity um, spokesperson or some type of influencer that's helping them. But in B2B, it's not as, as prevalent. And I think you're, you know, you're so right. Like a lot of times the, the, in B2B, it's the chairman's choice, right? It's the logo on the sleeve or whatever. And that's it. There's really no, there's no story behind it. And I think that the amplification is, is the story, right? And like, how do you tell that story how does that relate back to your brand? And 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 you mentioned too, like what what type of experiences can you create that are that are viral in nature? So, you know, we we've we've had a lot of brainstorming around that. Unfortunately, because of COVID, we haven't been able to do some of the the in person type of engagement we would have liked to have done with Xander this year. But we think next year and hopefully the year after we'll be able to start executing some of those ideas that get you know media. Uh, attention that you said earlier. I mean, it can, it can really amplify, you know, the, the engagement with your brand. So, you know, we're excited about that and, and investing in influencer, influencer marketing too. You know, we're, we're, we've been buying research and attending some, some conferences and talking to some of our peer groups about, you know, things we need to be doing there to, to, to improve. Well, I think golf is also an interesting, um, you know, when people always talk about, you know, back in the day, golf is like, you know, the sport of business, things like that. And I think, you know, there's a lot, you know, I think the way things are sold and marketed these days are, are different from, from that kind of like the old school sort of like, Hey, I'll take somebody golfing and, you know, close the deal by, by whole 15 sort of a thing. But I think though, that like, what's so interesting to me about golf or, or individualized sports is in terms of like a marketing sponsorship thing is so first of all, Xander has a sweet name that like everybody on the, who follows the tour knows because he has a cool name and he's a great golfer and he's like, like a rising star, but it's also like the way that golf is that you have this kind of like ever present, like every time they could win, uh, you know, being in the hunt, you have like all this stuff. So I'm curious, like, how do you look at being responsive within that? Right. It's like, if he's on the leaderboard on day four, uh, you know, he's going into Sunday, like, are you, are you like, you know, yeah. messaging the rest of your team? Like, Hey, get some, did, we better fire off some tweets here. Are you asking if we had a, uh, Xander Shafa us open champion, Ad ready to. <laughs> That's ready what I'm to saying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you have to plan for those things, and you know, he's played well. You know, unfortunately, he's, he hasn't won a tournament in the year and a half. We've he's finished second probably five or six times. So we're um, looking forward to the Masters, uh, but yeah, you do have to be nimble that way and have and have you know some some carve out some ad spend and have some creative ready to go if something like if there's an op- an opportunity like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's something cool because, you know, it's kind of like creating a really killer asset, you know, that you want to save some some money in case uh for promotion obviously. Of course you need to do that, but you need to save some money in case like somebody famous picks it up and and shares it or or something like that, but but really you're you're in lockstep with Xander like every time 
you know, he's playing, you're playing, right? Like you're now the biggest fans because you want him to do well. And there's kind of that, you know, aligned incentives, which is a great place to be when you're a marketer, right? Like you want aligned incentives with your partners. Um, And I think a lot of times what we have is, you know, potentially you're making investments in marketing that like might be, you know, not that aligned incentives. If you buy a magazine ad, like, does the people actually care if you get like a huge amount of lift from that ad? Like I'm sure they, they do in theory because they want you to buy more ads, but uh, it's a very different kind of relationship. Yeah, it, it really is. Switching gears towards teamwork, you know, obviously culture and teamwork, are a huge part of Highland. As you're thinking about, you know, building your marketing team, what are the skill sets that you look for? How do you think about, you know, talent and developing talent and things like that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a really great question. You know, I think I've mentioned earlier the technical competence and domain expertise in particular functional areas, that's table stakes. And in my view, that, that talent's kind of easy to find. I mean, there's lots of very smart, educated um, marketing professionals, experienced marketing professionals out there. To me, what sets Highlanders and, and people I like to work with apart from you know, the general population is the softer skills. Do they share your, your core values? Uh, you know, sk- skills I look for in marketing professionals and leaders are things like um, empathy and curiosity. Uh, you know, c- can this person genuinely listen to somebody who has a different point of view than they do and is open to being influenced and changing their mind? You know, I, I, I don't want someone who, who is a know-it-all or is a, someone who is a credit taker or an empire builder. You know, team customers and company is, is so much more important. I want people who take responsibility and I want to empower them to be successful, right? And, and so I look for the softer skills. You know, obviously the, the technical expertise and technical competence, that's, that's important. But once we kind of check that box, then it's team fit and the softer skills that I, I think make the difference. We talked about some of the campaigns that you, uh, you liked over the years. Any campaigns that were a big learning experience or, uh, or campaigns that maybe didn't go so well? <laughs> How long do we have? <laughs> well, I mean, even even recently, you know, I mentioned earlier. I, this is a really recent example, but we did an executive focused and a high touch event with with Xander Shoffley and Mike Tarico hosted it, and it was a risk, and we hadn't really done anything like that before, and it was done virtually, and uh, and and it it was okay, but you know, we had high expectations for that event, and we just had a hard time getting executives to. You know, carve out some time to spend on a on a Zoom with, you know, a professional athlete, and and I think what what we're learning about these virtual experiences is that people are experiencing some fatigue right now, and so you know we're not alone. I, I was on a virtual uh, hospitality event with Salesforce uh, last week uh, with Webb Simpson, actually. So they're they're trying everything. You know, they're trying too. We're all trying, but yeah, we're all trying these different things. Oh, there and you sometimes go. Sometimes they're working, and sometimes they're not. And, uh, and so what we learned there is that it just, you know, it has to be, well, it wasn't that, I think it was well thought out. It was just, wasn't, we didn't get the type of engagement and traction we thought we would, you know, we thought people would jump at the chance to, to spend some time with professional athlete and get the, ask, get them, you know, observe an interview with Mike Trico and ask some questions, but we, we had a hard time getting, getting traction there. So I guess what we're learning about this whole virtual experience is that, Early on in the pandemic, I think there wasn't as many of these, but now companies have caught up and there's a lot of options out there to engage, um, engage customers. So you have to stand out. 
Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Salesforce brings marketing engagement together. Learn more salesforce.com slash marketing lightning round questions. Drew, are you ready? Fire away. Number one, do you have a hobby that you picked up during shelter in place? Uh, puzzles. Ah, a puzzle person. Yeah, we had a new puzzle going every every few days. I have I have ten year old twins, so it was a family uh, a family event. Um, I think we did everything. Probably the hardest puzzle we did was the Jaws po- poster because mm, all the blue. water's all the the water's all the same color. Like once you get the shark done and the swimmer and the and and the Jaws, you know the the word. It, then it got really hard after that. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. We did like a Finding Nemo puzzle. Uh, like back last Christmas is brutal. Uh, yeah, just then, a lot of blue. Right. And then, then the other hobby was um, bird watching. So again, 10 year old twins looking for things to do, got some bird feeders and, uh, and a, a birds of Ohio bird book. And we mark off birds as we see them. So that's been, that's been a lot of fun. Nice. Great, great in-person outdoor activities. Love it. Do you have a, a favorite book or a podcast that you've uh, read or listened to recently? Uh, podcasts. Um, I like how I built this with Guy yeah. Raz. It just, it's so interesting to hear the, the stories of, of entrepreneurs, um, you know, the, the struggles that they, that they face books. You know, I, I recently read, uh, the advantage by Patrick Lencioni. He wrote five dysfunctions of a team and, and he just released a new book. So I've been kind of consuming a lot of his, his ideas now and, and, and applying them to help you know, as a CMO, trying to to evolve and strengthen our leadership team. So he's got a lot of, a lot of really good tips and, and tricks and, and concepts on how to do that. Is there one thing for Cleveland sports that you're excited about going forward? Oh, the Browns. <laughs> Hello, four and one. I hope I didn't jinx them by by just talking about about them, but they're playing playing good football this year and that's been a long time since I've been able to say that so it, it's being a Cleveland sports fan is is a labor of love and, a, and with a big emphasis on labor <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say by the time this airs I I hope that you have two losses in the loss column because you're gonna play uh my Raiders uh but I hope that there's many more wins uh in the wins column other than thank that, you so. I I, pre- I appreciate that and uh no yeah, we're we're excited. We're excited about the Browns. What's your best advice for a first-time CMO? Listen, especially if you're if you're coming in to if you're not promoted from within, if you're if you're hired from the outside, you, you have to pay respect and you have to learn from the people that that were there before you. And in order to earn their trust, to be able to transform the the team the the way that you were probably hired to do you're going to need to listen and and really understand the perspective of the teams the teams that you're leading and and then I, the other thing i would say is is you know you want to set up your organization so you hire really good people and you give them the resources and tools they need to be successful and then you get out of their way and and you let them lead and do their jobs um, and that's what that's the advice i would give how fast could you put up an oe254 right now 
That is a great question. It might take me, it's been 20 years since. So and for those listeners that don't know what an OE254 is, it's an FM radio antenna that the Army uses. So I mean, if I had to sling it in a tree, I could probably do it in about 10 minutes. But if I actually had to put one up like full on, I don't know if I could even do that now. 20 years removed. <laughs> I, I think I'd have no chance. I wasn't I wasn't a sigo, but my uh, we had we learned we had to learn how to put it up. And my uh, my buddy was a uh, was a sigo. So he that was whenever we have our fantasy football drafts, he's always the one who manages comms. That's for sure. Well, the funny thing about being a sigo is, you know, there's there's the radios and the antenna. But basically anything electrical, yep, in, it, you're responsible for. So, like when the coffee pot would go down in in the talk, which is like the for those listeners that don't know, it's like basically it's the command center for you know your field operation. I would get a call on the radio to come fix the coffee pot. So yep, wasn't a glamorous job sometimes, um, but you know someone's got to do it, I guess. Yep, that's exactly right. That was we the joke for me because I was an S one was. Uh, well, it's, if it was a problem with a person, then I had to deal with it. No, people are personnel. Personnel's S1. And I'm like, I, that's every single problem? Like, how is that? How does that make sense? All right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anything with technology, somebody yells S6. Um, okay, Drew, last question. Is there one thing that you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Wow. No, I, you know, I, I really can't say. I, I guess... Um, yeah, I mean, some of the questions you asked today, actually, I think the the focus on people and some of the softer leadership skills, I think, is overlooked. I think, you know, the companies have, you're kind of trained through business school and through your professional experience to focus on the hard edge areas, you know, profit, um, efficiency gains, uh, you know, the numbers, which is really important. But to me, like the, the most time that's wasted at companies is on the, the softer skill areas, uh, you know, the areas of, of empowering teams and collaboration and really kind of addressing conflict head on and not letting it linger. I, I think that's that's the biggest kind of opportunity most most leadership teams and most companies have that they're they're ignoring. Well, Drew, thanks so much for joining. We appreciate it. Any uh, final thoughts? Anything to plug? No, no, this, uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, Ian, and thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey, Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people. 
but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.